Hello and welcome to a very special episode of the Daily Phys Ed Podcast. My name is Nathan Horn from iPhysEd.com and this is the Daily Physical Education Podcast. Now, we have a very, very special episode today, the first of some of our longer form episodes that we will be recording over the next few weeks and months. And I have a very special guest with me today, um, a very, very good friend of mine, somebody who I've had the chance to, to meet in person uh, only actually once, but we've, we've spoken online a few times and actually we met in some pretty interesting circumstances. My guest today is Ted Tamertzoglu. Ted, can you tell me a little bit about, uh, we were supposed to meet a, a few years back and then at the very last minute we didn't meet. What what actually happened? <laughs> well, thank you, Nathan. First of all, thank you very much for having me on your podcast. It's truly an honor. What happened was, in a nutshell, I broke a rib. I, we were supposed to meet at the APEC conference in Hong Kong and a week before the conference, I decided to uh, play in our semi-final touch football game, landed on the football. I made the catch, though, and broke a rib, and the doctor says, no flying for you for uh, about eight months. Yeah. So that's basically what happened. Yeah, I, I remember <laughs> I remember at the time being uh, very excited to, to meet you, and then all of a sudden uh, I got the message from another friend of ours, Andy Vasily, that, uh, yeah, you'd... Uh, <laughs> You'd fallen and, and hurt yourself and you wouldn't be able to make it. But luckily, the, the following year, yourself and, and your wife, Carolyn, were able to make it to APAC and, and I was able to make it as well. So it was really great to, to connect in person and, and sort of put a, a face to the name. But for those people that don't know you, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. I'm a, my, I'm a health and physical education teacher, but currently I work um, as a vice president of teacher and student success at Thompson Educational Publishing. And basically what I do now is create evidence-based resources for health and phys ed to match various curricula around the world or anyone that, uh, anyone that basically wants us to uh, elevate their curriculum. Great. And so you said you're obviously a physical educator um, first and foremost before you got into this role. So how did you get started as a physical educator and sort of what was your journey to become a physical educator? And then how did you get from, I guess, working in a school to, to the position that you're in now? Oh, what a great question. Yeah. So when I first started teaching, I actually taught at the high school that I was a student at in grade 13. And I was the one of the first hires they had in like 28 years at, at East York Collegiate. And I was very, very lucky to, you know, even get that job. But slowly, slowly, I started to realize, and I kind of had some of these hints when I was in university, but phys ed was playing second fiddle to a lot of the other subjects in the school. And I really couldn't understand it because I thought, what, this is like the most important subject for kids. If kids don't have their health, what else really matters if they don't feel really good about themselves? So um, I started getting into doing some workshops and finding out sort of what's going on around the world with, with phys ed and what are people, how are other boards or other schools perceiving it? And what I found out very, very quickly is that phys ed never really had any evidence-based resources. Like we all uh, think we're doing amazing things and, and, and for the most part we are, but to me, it was always really important to figure out, well, what are the experts saying? Like, what are people in pedagogy saying about us? And how can we bridge what they're doing with what we're doing in our classroom? And that led into some curriculum writing for our ministry. And then that morphed into um, them asking us, like, hey, what would really make phys ed pop? And I said, guys, if you really treated us like everybody else, if we had evidence-based resources and we had someone who invest in health and phys ed like they do in numeracy and literacy, that would make our journey so much better. But then in the eyes of parents, the people that we serve in our kids, it would look even that much more important than it would um, than it has in the past. Because generally in the past, if we look at the research, most phys ed programs were farm systems for school teams, and that doesn't fit all kids. So that's the basic, my basic little journey of where, uh, where I came from. 
Sure. It's an interesting one because I feel like you're saying about, you know, bridging that gap between the the research and, and the practice. And for me, I guess over my journey in the last uh, few years, that's been a real area that um, I've I guess I've been searching for for ways to, to make that happen and and trying to find you know what is the current best practice research and and often I find that there is a bit of a gap between you know being able to access that research um, and then being able to put that into practice. So where do you get your evidence from? Where do you find I guess your research and then how do you get that um, into a, a language that's understandable and easy to implement for for your teachers in, in schools all around Canada and all over the world? Oh, what a great question, Nathan. Uh, basically, it comes to the various professors in physical education, teacher education programming across Canada and some in the U.S., but then also from the associations themselves, such as Canadian Sports for Life or the Canadian Mental Health um, Association or CAMH, which is Canadian Mental Health Association as well. Um, so it'd be organized like that, the Dietitians of Canada. People who really have a, um, a vested interest in one specific area that is embedded in our curriculum. And I pursue those experts and I match them up with passionate teachers. So we get what the teachers are doing. We give that to the experts. They tell us, you know, sort of, yes, this is really good stuff that you're doing or no, you know, you're well off. I'll give you I'll give you a classic example. Uh, one of the movement experts in the movement competence area that we work with is uh, Dr. Stu McGill and Dr. David Frost. And, you know, most of us think that certain patterns, for example, a sit up in uh, a classroom would be a great idea in a gymnasium. And I see them everywhere I go. And I'm lucky because I get to see some of Carolyn's um, uh, practice teachers and go to their schools and see what they're doing. But the sit up, actually, if we look at it, has been. Uh, eliminated from all protocols in, in Canada through the Canadian Society of Exercise Physiologists, yet we're still seeing that movement pattern done in physical education classes or our specific warm-ups. There are specific um, movement preparation guides that are out now by Canadian Sport for Life and, and the FIFA 11 Plus program that we need to be incorporating into our classes. So those are really important things for us looking to hone our craft as educators that we need to have this stuff at our beck and call. And you, when you match that up to people's curriculum and then update that as when curriculum's updated or updated digitally, then the teachers have the best possible tools available to them. Definitely, definitely. So I guess in your opinion, where where is that uh, falling down? Because you say that in a lot of schools, things like that is still is still happening. Why is yeah, that still right. happening and why aren't people you know accessing this information? Um, because even though curriculum is written and curriculum's out there, like for example, I'll give you the Ontario one, which is very much like your recent one now that was just released in British Columbia, um, tens of millions of dollars into the development of that curriculum. Great. Zero dollars allocated for implementation of that curriculum to the various school boards. So teachers know that there's a curriculum, but they have no understanding of how to implement it. And that they're left up to their own devices. That's where the wheels fall off. Okay. So if you can get an organization to invest in that, you know, via through uh, a subscription base or investing in a resource, you create that partnership with the board and then you go and train those teachers. For sure, for sure. So I guess uh, one of the questions that I had for you, it sort of fits at, at this point, I said, like, you see a lot of physical educators in, in all your travels and all the schools that you're in and the different uh, boards that you consult with. What do you think the number one, I guess, complaint or challenge that you hear from, from teachers are um, at the moment? 
Uh, the number one thing that I hear is implementation and how to get in front of the parade in their various schools, meaning how can they make physical education as important as the rest of the subjects that apparently are more important in high schools or even in elementary schools. Those are the two biggest complaints I get. Sure. And how do you think that we can get in front of that parade? Like what, what do you think is the the best approach to, to doing that? Because I think there's a number of different approaches out there in terms of, you know, like uh, whether it's a health promoting approach, whether it's a uh, lifelong fitness, the tackling obesity, mental health. There seems to be, I guess, one of the things that I notice in our field is that there's so many different organizations, I guess, um, espousing different benefits of of physical education and why we should have more minutes in physical education because either it's going to reduce obesity extend lifespan what 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 for you do you think is the i guess not the magic fix but what should we be really focusing on um focusing all our efforts on rather than sort of like pushing ourselves in in a a lot of different directions yeah i think that great question i think the number one thing is um each school board and each school itself is different so it's 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 different entry points at different levels, but the easiest way is to take a hard look at a school's or a board's improvement plan, and they all have them. That'll tell you sort of what the board values, and the great thing about health and physical education is that we have a lot of entry points just through the various outcomes or expectations in our curriculum. Match those to the board improvement plan, and when you do that, you get in front of their parade. Secondly, another one that I've, I've had some success with is make sure that you have whatever intervention you're proposing to your school or your school board is that you have some data to back it up. So let's say, for example, you want to use a flipped classroom approach at the grade nine or grade 10 level. Okay, so what schools has that worked in? Uh, what were the criteria? What were the measurements that you use when you use this thing? And then provide the board with some data. And then at this way, they're more apt to uh, adopt what you're doing or at least get you in the door to hear what you have to say. For sure. I think you, you hit a really important point there about everyone's situation is different. Every school is different. Every community is different. Um, and I think, you know, if, if you look at physical education programs around the world, um, they're all very similar, the types of activities and games and um, fitness um I guess, experiences that students are are taking part in are are all very, very similar. I would say that um, any of the schools that I've been to and any time that I've been in front of physical educators and I've asked them, you know, what do you actually teach in your program? It's very, very similar no matter where you are in the world, yet everywhere in the world is different in terms of communities and things like that. And one of the things that I love about um, Canada in coming here was the fact that uh, here we have the, the physical literacy consensus statement. That was uh, that was signed by all of the, the different stakeholders that basically outlies, you know, here this is what physical literacy is, and, and we all understand that this is the definition, and this is how um, it's sort of it's going to work, and we're going to be able to promote um, physical education and, and physical activity through this vehicle. And I, I think for me, that's something that um, is a real shining light um, in terms of getting everybody on the same page um, because it doesn't actually prescribe, I guess, here is what you need to do, but it says here's the, here's the big idea, here's the, the outcome of what we want, and, and if, if you match that to, to the UNESCO document, um, which basically, if, if anyone ever needs any evidence for why mm-hmm. physical education should be um, as important or more important than any other subject in the school, that you go to that document because it, it basically has all of that data for you. Um, but I think, you know, that we need to, I guess, 
think about our communities and, and what is it, what's our community, what's important in our community, what do we value in our community about being active and, and, and uh, movement and, and how can we encourage movement in the community that we're in rather than just saying, okay, we're going to do six weeks of volleyball and six weeks of soccer and then we're going to do some fitness and dance and so on and so forth. How can we actually tailor our programs to actually meet the, the community that we're, that we're serving? I think for me that's something that is something that's really in the forefront of, of what I'm trying to do and, and what I'm interested in, I guess, moving forward. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Like, I think that is the most important thing. At the end of the day, you know, we teach kids, we don't teach subjects. And whatever is most important for them through our health and phys ed lens is what we really need to be focusing on. For sure. So you have this new book out right now, which is uh, Healthy and Active Living 2.0. So this is the second version of it as, as my understanding. Uh, what's it about? And if I'm a physical educator, why should I buy it? Oh, good for you. Um, so basically, it's the personification of the grade 9 and 10 Ontario Health and Physical Education curriculum. But like what you said earlier, Nathan, about phys ed curricula around the world are very, very similar. You know, uh, we all have certain um, key learnings that are, 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 are the same throughout the world in health and phys ed. So the HAL 2.0 resource is for grade 9 and 10. It's our ministry approved. So when we write those textbooks, they're reflective of the curriculum. They bring the curriculum to life. And then it goes to the government, it goes to the, um, uh, the Ministry of Education in Ontario, and then they approve it. it. They go through a rigorous review process, and then they say, yes, this meets the curriculum and schools can invest in it. Um, you'd only really want to invest in this if you really want to reimagine your health and phys ed program, because that resource, and this is unique to phys ed, actually helps parents see phys ed in a different light as well. Because what we're hoping will happen, and this is, we've got about three boards, three school boards now that are completely on board with what I'm about to share with you, which basically means it'll be one-to-one, -one, meaning that every single kid in grade nine will receive either the digital version, the interactive digital version of that resource, or the hard copy. And then there will be correspondence throughout the year to show the parent exactly where the kids are. So if they're doing their uh, an example would be they're going to do their cardiorespiratory assessment. There are seven different cardiorespiratory assessment protocols in that book that have been approved by the Canadian Society of Exercise Physiology and Canadian Sport for Life. And the kid at home will decide, the student at home will decide, okay, which one of these cardiorespiratory assessments am I going to choose that best suits me right now? So if I'm the kind of kid that wants to own the podium, I'm probably going to pick one of the more stringent tests like the beep test or the yo-yo or the intermittent fitness test. But if I'm not, if that doesn't, you know, doesn't appeal to me and I just want to know what my fitness level is like, I'm probably going to choose the Rockport walk test or the, or the Canadian aerobic fitness test or the 12-minute run, depending on whatever that kid wants to do. And as you know, Nathan, most of our schools, they have one prescription for um, exercise protocol. They'll say, no, you have to run the beep test or no, you have to do the 12 minute run. This gives the, the kids much more choice so they can individualize their programming. And then it shows the parents that there are many entry points for their for their sons or their daughters or their loved ones. And it's not just about the teacher being the sage on the stage it's the kid taking ownership in their learning. So like a loose flip classroom approach, if you will. 
I love it, Ted. I think it's uh, it sounds like uh, an amazing opportunity for, for anyone out there, especially if you're not in Ontario, obviously, but I think anywhere in Canada or around the world, there's definitely going to be some, something in that book that's going to um, help you to develop and, and maybe reimagine the program that you have in your school. So definitely check it out. Where can people, where can people find it if they want to get hold of it? The easiest way is just to go to the thompsonbooks.com website. Uh, that would be their their least expensive investment. I mean, you can pick it up off of Amazon and et cetera, but you know, they, they do market up quite a bit. So I don't recommend they do that. Um, but Thompson, uh, just info at thompsonbooks.com would be the best. Um, or they can get a hold of me and I can forward it to, uh, to whomever. Um, but, uh, the other great thing is when parents open up that book, Nathan, and I got to make sure I get you a copy if you don't have one already, That'd be great. Uh, but you'll see, yeah, yeah, you'll see in the beginning of that resource are all the associations that we were either that I was personally inspired by or that had a hand in crafting the resource. And again, some of those are the Canadian Society of Exercise Physiology and the Canadian Mental Health Association. Uh, but, you know, Canadian Sport for Life had their hand in it. Uh, we have an indigenous lens in it as well. We have the Truth and uh, Reconciliation Act at the back of it that apply to health and phys ed. So many, many uh, stakeholders have seen it and have vetted it. And I think that's really important for parents to see that it's it's not your it's not your the phys ed that you went through. It's a very different and a much more evidence based approach than uh, than it was in the old days. And that's what we're working to. We have to elevate our game. That's great, Ted. So well, big congratulations from from me on 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 that book. Uh, it just sounds like an amazing resource, and yeah, I'd love to get my hands on a copy and and, and take a look. And I'm sure it's something that would be beneficial in uh, in our school. So I'll I'll try and get my hands on a copy. Just before we finish up, just because I'm conscious of time, I want to uh, just change gears a little bit and find out a little bit more about use with uh, some quick questions. So <laughs> don't have to be long answers. Just going to be quick and uh, and sharp and and just sort of to say the first thing that comes in to to your head uh, when I ask you these questions. Uh, so the first one is, what's the most interesting thing about you outside of physical education? Um, that I was an at-risk kid. I was a kid that, um, you know, is a product of the public school system, and I deeply believe in the potential and the power that each one of those kids has. Yeah, I remember uh, hearing a little bit about your story and and, uh, and like your parents' story and and uh, your gr you growing up at, at APEC and it's an amazing story. So if you ever get a chance to sit down with Ted and, and have a drink with him, then uh, you'll be in for some uh, some some great stories. So next of all, uh, what does a normal day look like for you, Ted? Like, what's what do you do when you first get up and and what's the day sort of look like a, a normal day for Ted? Love to get up, get my workout in, get a really great breakfast in. I will scan through Twitter to make sure that I don't miss anything. I'll flag all the emails that I got to get to and then um, drive into work or go to the various school boards that I work with and then just start executing the plan. Great. All right. Uh, this one might be a little bit difficult. What are you not very good at? Oh, my gosh. Organizing my time. <laughs> My wife will tell you that, uh, yeah, I need to have better to-do lists and um, I need to absolutely have laser focus. I got to get so much better at that. All right. And uh, last question. Uh, this podcast, The Daily Fizz, that I started as a reflection tool for myself when I moved here to Canada and, and started a new job. So it was something for me that uh, previously I, when I was uh, reflecting, I was doing it a lot through through the, the blog, ifizz.com. For me, I like to write things down to be able to reflect on it. Uh, the this written form, I guess, for me is, is the most powerful form of reflection. And I'm finding this year that uh, that audio is also being a, a, a good form of reflection for me as I uh, commute 
commute 45 minutes to work. So what does reflection look like for you? It, almost the exact same thing, Nathan. Uh, for me, it's a lot of audio. Um, I'm starting to now do a little bit more meditation in the morning. So I'll, I'll just wake up. As soon as I wake up, um, uh, go f- before I go for my workout, five, ten minutes just to reflect on sort of one of my big takeaways from yesterday and where do I want to get to today. That's great. Well, thank you so much, Ted, for, uh, for joining me today as my very first guest in the, the longer form of this uh, Daily Phys Ed podcast. I really appreciate uh, your time and it's really great to catch up with you again. And will I see you in, uh, in Whistler in May? You will definitely see me in Whistler in May and hopefully get out to your school as well. And I thank you too, Nathan. Thank you for, you know, for reaching out and giving me this platform. I really appreciate it and humbled and, uh, and honored to be a part of it. No, not a problem at all. So if you if you uh, want to get your hands on Healthy and Active Living 2.0, then uh, check out Thompson Books uh, or email ted at info at thompsonbooks.com. Is that right? Just ted at thompsonbooks.com, yep. And yep. I can forward it to, uh, to uh, the Thompson Angels, I call them. So, yeah. yeah. We can also find you, uh, find you on Twitter. Your Twitter handle is? Life is Athletic. All right, Life is Athletic. Well, thank you so much for your time today, Ted. This has been a special episode of the Daily Phys Ed Podcast. And until next time, my name's Nathan Horn from iPhysEd.com. And stay happy, stay healthy, and stay active.